I understand is what do elders do? Yeah, we've been having a men's training type thing. We've been talking about different roles in the assembly and, and one of the things we wanted to definitely talk about was the work of an elder. Uh, we, we, we got the qualifications obviously in First Timothy 3 and Titus 1 and a lot of lessons about that. But one of the things I concerned about is that there's not a lot of understanding about what the work is and a lot of uh, men are raised not really understanding what an elder does and, and how that work well works and it's critical need in the church and so I was hoping since you've had a little bit of experience with that that you might be able to help enlighten us a little bit about the work of shepherding well I've been elder about 34 years I believe and I was pretty young when I it is an elder, too young, I guess. But uh, anyway, <clears throat> I think uh, it's a very important topic because there are too many elders who uh, get involved in doing the work of deacons. And I think uh, starting with... Uh, <clears throat> With Acts, the sixth chapter, Acts, the sixth chapter, <clears throat> the Jerusalem church was apparently uh, feeding people who had hung around still after having come to Jerusalem and were there when the church began. And the very familiar uh, story here of the, the widows, the Hellenistic widows, being overlooked. Widows not having the husband speak for themselves, and therefore they were, they were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. And in verse 2, then they the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples. So, so there is the uh, <clears throat> first business meeting, by the way. <laughs> and uh, the issue of can women come to business meetings? Well, when it's the multitude of disciples, I would assume that mm -hmm. women were, were there. And uh, the someone spoke up and said it's not desirable that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. Mm -hmm. So now that's a very significant statement uh, relevant to our topic because what do uh, elders do? Well, obviously, according to this verse, they don't spend their time and energy serving tables. Mm -hmm. uh, verse 3, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom... We may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. So, here's our point number one to the question, what do elders do? Well, they uh, are involved in uh, the ministry of the Word instead of serving tables. Elders need to be reminded about that sometimes because uh, the deacons should uh, uh, have things as serving tables delegated to them. 
sometimes uh, the the elders aren't involved uh, enough in ministering uh, of the word, and uh, so that's what they should do continually to uh, prayer and the ministry of, of the word. So. Before we get into this uh, handout that I gave you, let's take a look at James, the fifth chapter. Okay. James 5. Starting in verse 13. James 5.13. I always try to give the... Uh, verse twice because I'm such a poor listener and uh, the preacher will state the verse and then go to it and I say, now, now what verse was that? <laughs> anyway, uh, James, James 5.13, is any among you suffering? Let them pray. Is any cheerful? Let them sing psalms. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church let them pray over them, anointing uh, him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Very uh, intriguing passage. Mm -hmm. uh, prone to a lot of interpretations. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, is this during the days of miracles still? Well, I don't think it is. I mean, if if uh, if the elders are to uh, uh, kind of be overseers, as uh, the other name, bishop, which means overseer, if they're going to be overseers, the, the, they're overseeing what? The building? No. Uh, they're overseeing the people. And if, uh, as it says, if any among you, that'd be the people, suffering, well, the others need to know that. Uh, pray. And uh, if, if they're cheerful, uh, take advantage of that. You know, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mm -hmm. I don't know uh, what your position is, you know, with the uh, idea of rejoice, those who rejoice, and then uh, the... Uh, cheerful go ahead and sing uh, after a baptism we've had uh, people especially the Hispanic brethren that come in they like to clap after a baptism mm -hmm. well that's kind of an interesting study uh, you know mm -hmm. oh, that's that's wrong you know clap after a baptism well traditionally it's not there among us mm -hmm. whites especially to clap after baptism but um, <clears throat> the, the idea of being cheerful mm -hmm. and rejoicing with those who rejoice uh, here, if anyone's cheerful, let them sing praises. And certainly uh, singing after a uh, baptism is traditionally what we've done. Mm -hmm. But uh, you uh, must admit that we don't have any uh, example of a baptism being done during the worship service or inside a building. <laughs> so mm -hmm. so uh, uh, the guidelines for whether or not you can clap afterwards to uh, express your rejoicing is uh, a challenge because it's certainly challenge to our, our tradition. Anyway, yeah, that's kind of a little bit of a sideline, but again, here, if, if you're cheerful, sing, 
uh, and uh, suffering prey. Uh, but getting back to the elders, uh, <clears throat> here someone is is sick, and uh, the idea of well, this has got to be spiritual sickness. Uh, but uh, when you get to verse fifteen, saving the sick and then raising him up mm-hmm. kind of infers physical, mm-hmm. and of course it might be both. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, and certainly. Uh, uh, we want to deal with the spiritually sick, but we don't want to ignore the physically sick either. Mm-hmm. But uh, let great uh, over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So, so what is this anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord? Is that a ceremonial thing, or is it medicinal? And uh, if it's uh, ceremonial, mm-hmm. well, then that certainly would be involved with cultural things at the time brought over from the Jewish religion but it very well could be uh, medicinal uh, where someone's sick uh, they're perhaps trying to uh, use some kind of oil to <clears throat> help the, uh, the sick person but it's interesting here that that the elders are involved <laughs> mm-hmm. if, it's, if it's physical then uh, that would uh, Certainly, bring up an issue about exactly what's the responsibility of an elder when somebody is sick. Is the elder supposed to come in and take over as the, as the <laughs> doctor? Don't believe so. No. But uh, anyway, as they say, this is a very intriguing passage as to exactly the role and responsibility of the uh, of the elder here in praying and anointing uh, the uh, sick person uh, as to whether it's spiritual or, or physical in uh, certainly not drawing any specific conclusions here on this uh, but it's something to think about draw draw your own conclusions based on maybe a further study anyway uh, you already got our handout here uh, this page 48 of the book called the New Testament Church by Roy Cogdell uh, 1959 book, uh, very good book, uh, not copyrighted, so I just went right ahead and copied out of it, <laughs> even though 1959, I'm not sure if the laws still say if you're 50 years old, you can copyright out of it. Is that correct, David, or you know anything about copyright laws? I do, Roger. I think that's correct, but this could be fair use. This could be what? Fair use. Fair use. Yes. Uh, that's just. That's a that's a legal term. Yes. That's mm. only a snippet being used for limited purpose, not for commercial purpose. Uh, if it was copyrighted, then 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 you could still make copies. And I'm not giving legal advice on the tape to anybody that may. <laughs> yeah. Be careful. He's a lawyer, and he might uh, he might send you a bill. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, copyright laws are really complicated sometimes. But uh, anyway, this uh, a 1959 book and on the eldership, I think it's pretty good. And again, the reason I made copies is because here the first uh, section uh, of this, uh, the office of, of the elder, and uh, <clears throat> uh, Roman numeral, let's see, one, they don't have any A's and B's on this, they're outlining is a little bit uh, unusual. 
Uh, number two, the responsibility and work of the elder. Now, um, five responsibilities. Feed the church, guard the flock, rule the church, tend the flock, watch in behalf of souls. You know, if, if you're going to kind of pounce on the verbs to answer the question, what do the elders do? They, they feed, guard, rule, tend, and watch. Mm-hmm. And uh, all pertaining to the, uh, to the flock. Uh, the idea of feeding the church, uh, I was having a little trouble with uh, Acts 20.28 for the, their use to support the idea of uh, feed. Um, I have the, let me see, I'm not sure mine is the New American here that I'm using. Uh, no, the, I got the New King James. So 2028 is take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Uh, No, in the New King James, at least, uh, there's no... uh, mention of feed, but instead to uh, to shepherd, and you, both of you with your fancy uh, phones there, maybe can quickly uh, check other versions. Is that what uh, you can do on that thing? I always, David knows that I've done this. I have always accused my students in the Bible class at church who've got those Versions on their, I was always thinking they're playing video games during the Bible class. But uh, I'm just looking at the Greek, uh, rough translation. Uh, you watch, pay attention, watch over yourselves and all the flock over which the Spirit, the Holy One, has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. Yeah, so yours says to shepherd. And I assume this uh, to feed is uh, coming from some version that the later versions say to, to shepherd. So the, Greek is, the Greek is poimine. Uh, poimo, the, 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 the noun is the, she, the shepherd. Shepherd. So poimine is to, yeah. to shepherd. That's the, that's the verb. And so anything is that. Now, inherent in shepherding, and this is in, in John 21 when... Jesus recommissions Peter, you know, tend my flock, feed my lambs. Yeah. The idea was that you do let out the sheep to feed on the grasses, so you're directing them to food. That's inherent in it. Yeah. So it's not inaccurate, but it's not explicit. Yeah. Uh, but that's a good point about Peter saying three times he used the word feed all three times. I think it was ten feed. Let's see what what is it here? Ten uh, and feed. The third denial. Yeah, uh, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. So feed, tend, and feed. Yeah. yeah. So in many ways... I was going to say, for what it's worth, the amplified version you can get online uh, defines shepherd as tend and feed and guide. Tend, feed, and guide. Which, I mean, if... uh, I mean, this analogy, obviously, is because uh, shepherds were probably one of the largest 
employment opportunities. <laughs> uh, nowadays, it's not all that uh, great an employment opportunity to shepherd sheep. But certainly, uh, the analogy here of uh, elders to the flock uh, and compared with uh, uh, shepherds to the sheep, I, I think is a very good analogy. Uh, and uh, you, you do have to protect those sheep from outside influences and feed them and uh, guide them and guard them. And so that the early Christians could relate to that very well and even, even modern day Christians know enough about sheep and shepherds to know that that is, is something that uh, elders ought to do uh, with a flock. And uh, so, may I ask, is this when in this list here, number one, when it says to feed the church, is that meaning to teach, to feed them the word, or that's not meaning physically feed them with food? Well, you see, that's a good question because I would think we're talking about spiritual food here. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that's an important question because if, if you're talking to uh, uh, people who maybe uh, are thinking about becoming members of the church and have no knowledge of the Bible, mm -hmm. they might think of this as being literal physical food that, uh, oh, the elders are supposed to uh, mm -hmm. give me a meal every week or something, and mm -hmm. every time I get hungry, I'm, maybe mm -hmm. I'm going to have steak and lobster or something. But uh, and I, uh, I, that was easy, physical, uh, spiritual food. Yeah, There is the, the fact that in Acts 11, the the material proceeds to help the church in Jerusalem was given to the elders. And so the elders would have had some oversight, if not actual distribution, at least oversight of taking care of those needs. But that goes back to the idea of shepherding. You're right, the primary shepherd being idea there, spiritual, absolutely spiritual. But sometimes when you're shepherding a person, you need to have some of the physical things. And sometimes where a lot of people are at, I would imagine, are yes. kind of setting in their physical house in order uh, and that's a cause of a lot of their the consternations in their life. And so, so much of the New Testament deals with how we live our lives. And so there would be a directing role in encouraging the lot of imagine for elders and things of that nature. Well, yeah, in the uh, situation at the time, so, so what was the daily uh, ministration there? It probably was the, the food being administered there by those people who were uh, dislocated, because they had been in Jerusalem and hadn't left yet, so uh, uh, that certainly is something that elders could be in charge of. But the fact that they uh, delegated that uh, responsibility to men who later became known as uh, deacons uh, is, I think, significant that uh, the principle there in Acts where uh, elders are to uh, administer to the word and uh, seven men that there did uh, some daily uh, tasks that had nothing to do with the word. Uh, then, guarding the flock from, uh, from false teachers. This Acts 20, and uh, still in, in the same area here, uh, beginning in verse uh, 20, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing uh, the flock, also from among yourselves, men will, will rise up. So even elders sometimes might be, get off the track, which, which would be really a uh, double blow because here people are to look up to elders as being the spiritual leaders, but then they 
get off the track is really a, uh, a serious thing. I, I think back in the uh, 50s, starting the late 50s and the early 60s, the wars really raged about uh, taking money out of the treasury to uh, send to businesses as after World War II and, and congregations got a little bit wealthier with their money and uh, they generally had had to spend all of their contribution to make the mortgage payment and pay the preacher, nothing left over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then mortgage paid off and, uh, and the uh, contribution uh, more than what was needed to pay the preacher, so what shall we do with this money? Well, how about let's uh, start sending it to colleges and orphans' homes, and uh, uh, and some preachers were taking the lead in in really uh, saying that ought to be done, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, uh, too many elderships went along with that without uh, thinking about it, and especially if you have a popular preacher who's a very good speaker, and and he decides to, to really push some some idea like this. Uh, it takes a pretty strong uh, eldership sometimes to uh, uh, maybe put the, the reins on a preacher who might be going off. So you get up there in the pulpit, uh, Ethan, and good speaking voice and everything, and you got a following, and, and then you decide to Say I've decided that uh, baptism's not necessary, or something like that. Uh, we had a baptism. We at, at at church last week. This is another little aside. Had a baptism. We we baptized an infant last week at Studebaker Road. That's <laughs> because we baptized a lady who was seven months pregnant. There you go. <laughs> so there you are. Uh, and uh, and I've taught no such thing. <laughs> not on the record. Yeah, that's right. Uh, things like uh, you get all sorts of situations, but it was a very exciting time last week when that was the case. Uh, also, one thing about the uh, verses 28 to uh, 28 and 30 from Acts 20, the, the idea of uh, the Holy Spirit has made you uh, overseers, uh, and it says, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So you are overseeing the, uh, the flock that, uh, that you are among. Uh, you're not over them, uh, and uh, you're not uh, overseeing from uh, the, 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 a lofty position necessarily, but uh, you're on their level. Uh, and overseeing as examples rather than uh, uh, being a boss over these people. And you know, when the terminology you have here in part number one about terminology, when you have elder, you have bishop, you have pastor, these titles, uh, bishop being an overseer, we get our word episcopal from that, I understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Pastor uh, is uh, the, uh, I didn't have that written down, but in that, I'm sure you know in your Greek, that's Greek for, for shepherd. Yeah, pastor. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so uh, I think the 
alliterative effect, you know, pastor, preacher, you know, pastor, preacher, same thing. And it's not, uh, because it's not a title, it is a responsibility, uh, the pastor. And th that ought to be uh, stressed so often that uh, the, the bishop is an overseer and the, uh, the pastor is a shepherd. Both words can be words uh, that go along with elder for the people who oversee, uh, who, who shepherd the, uh, the flock. The terminology sometimes can imply what their responsibility is. Uh, anyway, so uh, elders, they feed the church, they guard the flock, and then um, uh, this number three in this outline, they rule the, uh, the church. And in uh, 1 Timothy 5, 1 Timothy 5, 17, 1 Timothy 5, 17, Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in word and doctrine. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. So uh, this uh, here in the responsibility and work of an elder uh, is, uh, you know, ruling the church, whatever you want to say ruling means, and I think the, uh, the Greek there kind of, kind of some, some things where uh, it's on the same level, but uh, if, if they're doing a good job, ruling well, they ought to be counted worthy of double honor, uh, <clears throat> especially those who labor in, in word or doctrine, and two things about these two verses here. Uh, elders can be paid, mm -hmm. but also uh, the other point in this is that the elders uh, do not necessarily do the preaching and teaching. Mm -hmm. But as it says here, uh, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in word and doctrine. So uh, I, what does that mean? I mean, you got elders that don't labor in the word or doctrine, then what are they doing? Are they just out mowing the lawn or something? No, they are probably uh, uh, overseeing, shepherding, and pastoring in, in uh, some other way. I, I think this probably maybe is the uh, public part of laboring in, in word and, uh, and doctrine because there's a lot of behind-the-scenes teaching that goes on. And when elders oversee, that means that they need to have the, uh, the total picture in mind at all times. And uh, it's kind of sad if you have a church with an eldership and, and here you've had maybe a family that has not attended for five weeks straight and the elders still don't know it. Mm -hmm. Well, what kind of elder, what kind of oversight are they exercising? Uh, I, I would uh, certainly advise elders any uh, family or person, member, who's gone two straight Sundays maybe, uh, should be getting a call. Uh, it's maybe a little bit too much to try to call everybody who's absent, uh, but uh, 
depends on the size of your uh, congregation. We were in Little Rock uh, a little over a year ago, and uh, Ruth's cousin uh, uh, going to the Pleasant Valley uh, Church of Christ there in Little Rock, they have over 1,500 members. And their contribution, I'm looking at their uh, contribution, was uh, around $23,500 for, for the week. And I, I, I kind of thought about that. Well, 1500 and some uh, contributing that turned out to be not nearly as much per person as what Studebaker Road is doing. But uh, here you as an elder, what do you do with $23,000 coming in every week? Uh, that uh, is uh, a lot of oversight of money. But is an elder, is that his main duty, is just to oversee, oversee the money? No. He's overseeing the people. And uh, how does an elder oversee 1,500 plus people? That's rough. But uh, it's, uh, it takes some uh, oversight. And uh, when I say uh, don't fail to call somebody who's missed two, uh, two weeks straight uh, when you've got 1,500 people, and somebody's going to have to notice that someone, that, and that takes some uh, organization and uh, definite effort in uh, oversight, uh, in, in overseeing. Anyway, um, mm -hmm. uh, this uh, Hebrews uh, 13, 17, watching in behalf of souls, I think mainly that is... Uh, is a reference to how serious the uh, eldership is in uh, guarding and, and overseeing people. Hebrews uh, thirteen seventeen, uh, you know, obey those who rule over you. Be submissive, for they watch out for your souls, as those who must give account. So back to our main basic question, what do elders do? They, they watch out for the souls of uh, their members. Would you say that it would be accurate to look at the eldership as a role of authority in terms of responsibility more than power? Good question. Yeah, uh, I, I fear that uh, sometimes uh, elders... Uh, in their uh, position, they, they do kind of uh, start uh, thinking of themselves being uh, uh, power, <laughs> power people uh, that can boss others around. And, uh, you know, I mean, Scripture says, don't lord it over, uh, but just be examples. I remember just having to notice you have a beard. I know just now. Notice you got a beard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, I remember uh, once a uh, preacher came to uh, the congregation in Abilene, where I was when I was a college uh, student, and you want to stop it or <clears throat> anyway, uh, he was kind of a big time preacher. And he really started griping at one of the college students because the college student was growing a beard. And uh, I uh, 
thought, well, here, here's a man who's, who's kind of a popular preacher who maybe has, has led his popularity and power go to his head. Because what right does he have to tell a man that he cannot grow a beard? Uh, but he, he did uh, say he should have a beard. And uh, I, uh, this was, I, I think it was my senior year as a college student. I was not as smart aleck as I am now. But I think, you know, now I think I would probably say, well, yeah, if God would want you to have a beard, he'd cause hair to grow on your face. So uh, sometimes we, when we get into these situations where uh, uh, tradition or custom or something becomes scripture when it's, when it's not. Mm-hmm. And, and so, uh, so here when uh, you're watching on behalf of the souls of, of people, you have to uh, make sure that you are ruling in such a way that is uh, according to your, your authority and uh, not being just bossing people around, mm-hmm. but uh, you're being, for the most part, uh, examples. You know, I, I looked up the word rule, uh, and uh, it uh, doesn't uh, mean uh, what we kind of immediately think of uh, in our modern day. Uh, I have here uh, to stand before, to lead, to attend somebody. So uh, you are standing before or leading or attending uh, on their level. Uh, and that, that's where uh, maybe example can, can come in there uh, to, to do this because uh, I fear that uh, it takes a pretty mature uh, man to become an elder and uh, to, to really uh, understand what his role is and the uh, limit of his authority uh, in, in what he does and you don't uh, uh, exceed that when it comes to telling somebody that he can't have a beard. There you go. Give, you know, give scripture and verse or uh, uh, maybe, maybe that. Uh, anyway, I believe that's... Uh, about what I had to say here on uh, all of these things, again, it comes down to feeding, guarding, uh, ruling, tending, and, and watching. Uh, uh, th- I might say one thing about uh, number two, guarding the flock from false teachers. We had a new Christian about seven or eight years ago now who had recently, uh, she's an old, older lady, well, I say older, she probably was maybe in her uh, 40, you know, the 50s at the time. And uh, was baptized, started coming, and she uh, uh, came up to me one uh, Sunday, three or four months after she'd become a member at Studebaker, and said, oh, I had heard the best sermon on, uh, uh, on television, that preacher, he is so good, his name is, uh, what it was, Maggie, said he's kind of a heavy set guy, but he's always dealing with something about pre-millennialism. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said, "Oh, he had such a good sermon about how Christ's going to be coming again and <laughs> establishing His kingdom on the earth." And here, uh, she had been a Christian maybe three or four months. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, you don't usually, when you are studying with someone to uh, baptize them and have them become a Christian, you usually don't get into pre-millennialism. But um, that 
it was kind of big there for a while, uh, a few years back when uh, you had uh, the uh, Left Behind books. Uh, and uh, who was that movie star that came out with the uh, Kirk Cameron? Yeah. And uh, so uh, premillennialism was uh, was something pushed. And I think a lot of people just assumed that all Christian denominations are so, mm -hmm. but uh, even the Church of Christ, which is not a denomination, but whoever is makes up the Church of Christ, how many of us believe in pre-millennialism? It was uh, a contingent, small contingent. But contingent. Uh, and uh, one of the uh, best songbooks that was ever put out by uh, a member of the church uh, and published by Simon & Schuster, I believe, back uh, I think when it came out in 1935, the first time, Great Songs of the Church, mm -hmm. put out by E.L. Jorgensen, the mm -hmm. original editor, he, from Nashville. He was a premillennialist. Mm -hmm. And uh, some people would not use that uh, songbook uh, because of that. In fact, not too far from here, uh, back in the uh, 40s, mm -hmm. early 40s, the uh, Siskel Avenue Church in Hollywood uh, split when they were trying to decide on a uh, songbook because some of them wanted the great songs of the church. Great songbook. But editor was premillennialist, and so in the early 40s, that was kind of a big thing. Uh, I think it's died out now, but who knows? It might come back again uh, where you might have to uh, explain to some of your members that they... That we do not believe in pre-millennialism, uh, but uh, that's all part of uh, watching out on behalf of the souls of people. And if they're going to watch TV and <laughs> on television, mm. that becomes an extra challenge. <laughs> well, and I would imagine, especially now, where it's not even just watching on television, but the prevalence of podcasts oh. and internet resources, where you know a member could be listening from all sorts of people across the spectrum. That might yeah. be a challenge often. And a brand new Christian uh, who's uh, getting something like that, mm -hmm. they don't realize that uh, they're way off. Anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, can you speak just quickly to, if other people are not interested, they can sort of stop listening, but I am kind of curious about when you speak of the eldership in this way, what is, what is your view of the relationship of the elder to the preacher or hired preacher? What should the eldership be doing with the preacher as they... Are they doing all of these functions as to the preacher as well? In other words, guarding after their soul and also teaching them, the preacher, etc.? Well, that's a good question uh, because uh, a lot of times when you hire a preacher, you, you need to deal with that because uh, that is the preacher over the elders. And uh, sad to say... Uh, as a kid, of course, I grew up in the church and everything. Uh, I, I think I've seen preachers that uh, I think uh, consider themselves to be over the elders, mm -hmm. and uh, they uh, uh, the elders should not allow that thought to happen. Uh, we had a preacher that David was. I think he was in high school or maybe junior high. Uh, who had a very strong personality, he a pretty good preacher, but uh, he would preach some things that were uh, not right. Uh, very conservative, but he really got on to 
the idea of church discipline. And uh, he was wanting some of our members, and he preached this from the pulpit, uh, to uh, not associate, as he said, withdraw fellowship. Of course, that's an unscriptural term. <laughs> that would be another thing. Uh, that Those terms together are not in the Bible. But uh, some uh, people who were ex-members who were now had left and had gone to other congregations, and he was saying that we should withdraw fellowship from those people. Well, here now, you have at Stubaker Road, and you have these people that were going to Bellflower and West Anaheim, and we're supposed to draw, withdraw fellowship from members of other congregations. <laughs> he was so off on that. And uh, I uh, was not an elder, at the time, this was way, way back. <clears throat> and uh, he gave this sermon, and then at the end he said, and if any of you out there think that I am wrong on this and would like to disagree, well, then you can get up here tonight and preach against it. Well, I got up there that night. <laughs> and the other elders were, I think, so uh, upset. But none of them were going to say anything. Uh, here you have this very strong preacher uh, preaching what I thought was wrong. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they didn't want to say anything, so I went to the elder and said, I would like to uh, answer uh, uh, tonight. And uh, <clears throat> so I did. But uh, that's an unusual situation. But you need elders strong enough if, if the preacher is saying something wrong, then the elders need to get up right then and there maybe and mm-hmm. say something. Anyway, any other questions? If you, I'm trying to figure out this way of putting this. Um, appreciate that understanding the way looking how you look at the role. Uh, it, it, let's just say for the purposes, because again, the, the idea, especially try to encourage young men, just get an idea of of, of shepherding because it's just a core need, critical need, and I'm very afraid a lot of times it's a <coughs> daunting task because, uh, especially if you've been in a congregation where you see what happens to elders, it's not always pleasant. Yeah. Um, if so like it's, let's just use Studebaker as an example. Let's say that um, you had an opportunity to tell some of the men who you thought was going to be elders in that church one day, and you want to give them some general advice about the work of eldering based on your experience. What are some of the things you'd tell them? Yeah, you know, that I think is a very significant thing because I think our young men should be uh, early on uh, encouraged to have as one of their goals in life to become an elder. Uh, and of course that means getting married and having a bunch of kids for one thing. <laughs> Maybe not all of them want to do that. But um, and you know we're for the most part um, uh, we, we did have an elder, no longer an elder but um, we had an elder who had only one child and I think that's scriptural when they're talking about elders as a group and they got to have believing children uh, I don't think it means that each elder has to have more than one but it would be better if they did but there is that especially about the uh, deacons and I think the principle is uh, is true of elders too of course and that is uh, uh, got to rule your house well because mm-hmm. if you can't rule your own house well, then how can you uh, rule the house of God? Mm-hmm. So in, uh, in 
in, in advise, advising a young men in the congregation to uh, think about uh, uh, becoming an elder, uh, number one, make that as, as a goal. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then if you make that as a goal, of course, you study the Bible and, and become knowledgeable of the, of the Bible along with ruling your house well. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, that's a challenge sometimes to, to rule your house well. There's uh, issues that come up and uh, you have to, uh, to really uh, take uh, a strong stand and, and lead in that. And, uh, you know, I'm blessed with a good, strong wife who also can help me rule the house well. Mm -hmm. So uh, that, I believe, uh, is good advice for young men when they uh, want to become elders, or even if they don't want to become elders, they should uh, think about it as one of the passages. If you, if you seek the office of an elder, you are seeking good work. Mm -hmm. It is a good work. So uh, for women, you know, what is it in First Timothy there, five, uh, women who raise up children, they're doing mm -hmm. a good work by raising up children. So uh, these sometimes are good works that we overlook. Mm -hmm. Any other questions? When it's being an elder has been difficult for you, was it something that you thought it wasn't worth it, or did you just view it as a service to God and to other Christians that the difficult times were worth it? Yeah. Well, you know, it has been a blessing most of the time. There have been times when it has really been a challenge to uh, to be an elder. Um, and uh, once, when we had a preacher who was very difficult and Oh, this one that was, I thought, t teaching, uh, incorrect teaching, and uh, he, uh, I think, was, was very difficult to deal with. And, and, and he was only with us for about, uh, I think, three and a half years, if I recall, something like that. We went from 250 to 150 while he was there. <laughs> Others left and went to the neighboring congregations. But uh, that, that can be... That can be difficult. There was a time when we uh, had a lady who was having uh, difficulty with her husband, and uh, he would get off work at midnight. She wanted the elders to be at the house at midnight to uh, meet with the husband when he came. <laughs> that was rough. But uh, uh, sometimes you you get uh, members who uh, think the elders are supposed to be men who just take... Um, uh, assignments, and you elders ought to do this. Uh, I remember a lady came in to the uh, building, and one of our side doors, the uh, uh, the the door was squeaking. It hadn't been oiled in a while, and she came in. As, uh, the door was squeaking, and, and oh, that squeak! You elders ought to do something about that. <laughs> and, uh, so the attitude of elders are. Men who are just supposed to do assignments that the members give them that can be a challenge sometimes. I can imagine. Because <laughs> yeah. it's not the elders, it's the preacher you need to work on that. Well, yeah. It's the door, so we, we can uh, go at your problem. That, that's, that's another issue. The elders are told to do something and then we just kind of delegate it to the preacher. <laughs> that's a, uh, that happens. Any other questions? Thank you very much, Del. We appreciate your insights. My my, my pleasure. Uh, it's an honor to be asked, and uh, I uh, 
uh, enjoyed being here, and I uh, it was good for me to kind of brush up on on all of this and uh, get out this old book and dust it off and get that lesson on uh, on the ownership by Roy Cogdell. Mm -hmm. I thought was a good thinker back mm -hmm. 60, 60 years ago. Mm 